welcome to episode number 206 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We are recording on June the 4th, 2023. My name is Eric, host of the show based in Southern Ontario, hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and computer geek. As a first responder, I witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events and started a small preparedness company to get people better prepared for at least 72 hours, if not longer. And I'm Jeff. I'm based in central Ontario. I'm a target shooter, a ham radio operator, general overall handyman, and weather nerd. And I'm the frugal gunny. Recently moved uh, up to northern Ontario, pretty much in the middle of nowhere. I'm an off-gridder, shooter, hunter, fisher, gatherer, trapper type. Definitely a generalist, all-around kind of guy. Only recently came to accept that I'm a prepper. All right. If you want to help support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper podcast on the air, you can buy some swag. We've got uh, the Canadian Prepper podcast t-shirt and the tactical Velcro patch available at prepperpodcast.ca. Uh, all proceeds keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. Also, we want your feedback, good or bad. Or just if there's a topic you want us to cover, you can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All right. So we've got some igniting content for you in this episode. Ah, yeah. 206 episodes in. Still the terrible jokes. (laughs) Uh, We're going to start off with some recent news. We'll update you on our personal preparedness since the last episode. And we're going to get into the main topic. And we're talking about wildfires tonight. So let's move into the news. So we've got a couple of articles here. One, I know CBC, but hey, it's uh, it's in the notes here. Uh, Quebec fire authorities say they're unable to bring all fires under control. So if uh, you're paying attention to the news recently, there are all kinds of wildfires happening right now in Canada, uh, mostly uh, east, but uh, there's others uh, around the BC area as well. Uh, that's why we decided we would do our... Uh, our episode tonight on wildfires, but it uh, sounds like authorities are having a bit of a problem keeping the fires under control out in the Quebec area. Uh, I've got another ep- or another uh, article here from uh, CTV News. Uh, it's just titled Wildfire Tally Tops 150 as Thousands More Evacuate uh, Northwestern Quebec. So it sounds like there's some uh, evacuations starting to happen here because of the fires. So again, timely episode. Yeah, and I've got one on exactly the same thing. It's actually just very recently breaking within the last probably hour to hour and a half is there's an evacuation now in eastern Ontario for a um, forest fire. Obviously, the affected areas, um, and and I'll be honest, I don't really know where these are, but it's Beach Corners, Camel Chute, Glenfield, Venatcher, Venatcher Junction, um, and Wilson. And uh, we've attached the Twitter uh, feed from the OPP about the, um, the evacuation that's going on there. So, yeah, it's, it's happening everywhere. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised there's not like massive fire bans everywhere, but um, it, it'll probably be happening very, very soon, if, if not most of them already. All right. So quick news segment. We'll move into what we've done uh, lately for preps. So, obviously, I wasn't here last week, um, or the last two weeks, I guess. Um, Sorry, so, I, I got my mom's trailer all set up for the season. Uh, did a whole bunch of yard work down there and up here. Uh, fuel rotation, food prep, um, just general overall maintenance down at the trailer, uh, getting it ready for the season. Awesome. Uh, for myself, yet again, works almost... Uh, back to normal more travel so i was uh hoteling it again for a couple of days throughout the week so did the typical hotel mapping again figuring out the exits entries all that kind of fun stuff um you know little areas that you may not necessarily tend to explore in hotels i just went wandering and uh as i like to do in hotels um then on top of that, it's got the second garden bed built. So I got the first one built for last episode, got this one built for this episode. Uh, Jeff came by, helped uh, get this one built, stole some beer and some sausages while we were at it because, hey, why not? <laughs> so now I've got two uh, two garden beds where I only had one before and they're all new and fancy and shiny and ready to go. So 
anyway, it was definitely in need of repair. The old one was there for about 10 years. So it was starting to fall apart. So two now, so we can grow more. And yes, still cheating this year. Bought more pre uh, pre uh, pre uh, seeded plants there from Home Depot. So I know cheated this year, but next year we'll we'll start from seed again. But we're a little bit behind this year. I feel the same way on my end. Uh, definitely behind uh, this year. Focused on trying to find the next gig on my end. So not a whole lot of prepping, but finding the next gig is a worthy prep in my opinion. Uh, but I'm itching to get back up to do a little bit more brush clearing i'd like to see over 15 yards of brush cleared around the cabin so that's something i'd like to do on the next one uh and the other thing i'm looking to do is to sit tight stay frugal until uh, i've got the next gig lined up and just do some fire prevention work and maybe get a few valuables uh away from the area so that uh if something should happen it's not a complete loss awesome yeah. Well, with that, let's move into the main topic. So like I mentioned up in the news section there, uh, we're talking about wildfire preparedness tonight. Uh, we figured we'd do that because of the news that's happening right now and all kinds of wildfires happening across Canada and specifically in the, the Quebec area. Uh, we thought we'd give everybody kind of a an idea of how to prepare for it, what to do uh, in case there's warnings or evacuation or something like that that's happening. Uh, and even just good practice, even if there's not something happening in your area or normally doesn't, it can't hurt because a lot of this is going to cross paths with all your other preparedness plans. So it's going to cross with any other natural disaster. Some of it's going to be specific to fires uh, because that's what we're talking about. But a lot of it, again, is going to cross paths with, with other emergency preparedness plans. So uh, some of it you're already doing. Hopefully this triggers some... Uh, some things for other people where maybe you're not doing and that gets you thinking. So that's kind of the plan for tonight. Uh, just a quick reminder that uh, if you haven't checked out episode 70, uh, which feels like a lifetime ago now, <laughs> uh, check it out. It's the five minute bug out. Uh, that's when we had Hughes uh, talk about actually a wildfire that impacted his family. And he had five minutes to get his stuff packed up and get out. And uh, he, he talks about uh, his role in the fire department uh, on that episode and how he already knew that things were happening. Uh, so he had that inside information and he talks about actually getting his stuff prepared, getting out and um, lessons learned. So if you want a, a real world example, head over to episode 70, check it out. Uh, it's worthwhile doing it on uh, YouTube if you can, because there's some visual presentation throughout it. So uh, if you haven't already checked that out or you want a good refresher, run back over to episode 70 and uh, after watching this one, of course. All right. So like I said, wildfire preparedness is similar to um, all your emergency preparedness stuff. Uh, big takeaway is be ready to go ASAP, right? A lot of people just want to hang on and be like, nah, mother nature will, will spare us. It's fine. The fire, yeah, it's close, but it's not that close, right? If ultimately, if it gets to the point of I'm going to stand at my house with a garden hose and try to fight this fire off or go, it's time to go, <laughs> right? So, um, but the, the main thing, have a go bag ready for all family members, right? This, this crosses all emergency preparedness plans, right? Just have that go bag ready uh, for everybody by the door, ready to go, know what's in it. Uh, and just practice grabbing it and getting out to the car and getting loaded up and ready to go. Hey, that's uh, kind of key. And that's, that's a good refresher for all situations, not just wildfires. Um, you know, it's always good to practice and, uh, and know where your stuff is and know how, how long it takes you to get that bag from the front entryway to your vehicle and get everybody in your house loaded up and gone. Right. Um, Another one, I didn't even think about this. Um, I was sourcing some things uh, online for uh, the show notes, uh, but keep your gutters clean. Never even crossed my mind. But yeah, if you've got embers and, and ashes and all kinds of stuff flying around from the fire, the fire might not be close to you. It could be quite a distance away, but you get some of those hot embers that float up and then land. They hit your gutters and they're full of all that nice dry stuff. Well, guess what? Guess what's going up next? Your house. Right. So keep those yeah, cleaned out. Uh, 
Sorry, I was just going to no, say no, go there, there's there's uh, there's actual like examples and stories out there of of people being miles and miles from a fire, and all of a sudden, like you say, the the wind is strong enough, the the heat is enough that it gets the embers high enough in the air, and they're five six miles away from the fire, and all of a sudden, they're on fire. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, I never even thought about that, but. Uh, what else we got here? Fire resistant shrubs and trees. So that was kind of another interesting one I came across because it's not something I ever thought about. Uh, and, uh, this comes from my list, uh, from the red cross that I was reading and it's, uh, it, it, uh, suggests things like, uh, hardwood trees around your property, not saying they're not going to burn because they are, they're trees, but it takes a lot longer for them to go up versus you know your pine trees and your other shrubs that just you know you, you light a match near them and they're gone right so if uh if you're planning out your yard or your property or things around your house like your landscaping keep that in mind this is obviously something you got to think about well before any kind of fire is encroaching on your property so as you're doing a landscape design keep that in mind think about okay what can i put around the perimeter that is maybe going to help keep the fire back. It's not going to completely stop it, but something that can maybe buy me time, right? Because time is going to be the key thing for you getting out, um, especially if you've decided to hunker down a little bit past when you should have hunkered down. Um, the other trick, teaching family members how to use just basic fire extinguishers. It can be a fun time right make it fun right we always uh, we always talk about that especially with the kids make it something fun don't make it something where it's like oh my god the world's ending we're all gonna die get the fire extinguisher you know have a fun time with it if you've got fire extinguishers that have expired no better time to use them right because you got to get them refilled anyway so take them out in the backyard safely start a fire don't start a wildfire so <laughs> safely start your fire and then get your family out and just practice putting the fire out with it. Because I know this is strange after 206 episodes, but talking about practicing using your gear, fire extinguisher is no different. It's a piece of kit, right? You got to know how to use it. You don't, don't want to be pulling the pin and, and pulling the handle and going, okay, this is the first time I've ever used this. And you're trying to put out an actual fire that's threatening your house, right? Or, you know, is even this is even good practice outside of the wildfire scenario. Um, even if it's something in the kitchen or the house or something that's happened, you want to know how to use that thing effectively prior to the actual real thing happening. Because <laughs> I've practiced with them and it takes a little bit to, to get used to. Uh, and I'm glad that I have because when, the, when you actually have to use them, because I've been in a scenario where I have had to actually use them in a real scenario where fire is threatening to destroy things, you already know what to expect. I already know how it works. It's just a matter of doing it, right? Uh, to get some of your uh, your property just prepared, keep uh, leaves, broken limbs, twigs, all that kind of stuff regularly cleaned up, right? Think about it. What do you use to start a fire just in a regular scenario? Exactly that, right? Twigs, leaves, little things like that. Dry so if a fire's stuff. coming through, yeah, dry stuff. Yeah, if a fire's coming through your area, that stuff's going to go up real quick and it's just going to spread, right? So if you can keep it cleaned up, keep it away from your house, less chance of the fire encroaching. And again, we're if the fire is close enough that it's going to start kind of getting close to your property, we're trying to buy you time here, right? You don't uh, don't think you're going to be a superhero and, and fight off the fire, right? And, and just put it out. It's, uh, it's most likely not going to happen. We're trying to buy you time to get you out of the scenario. Uh Another one, if you've got vines or some kind of shrubs growing up the side of your house, which some people have, think about removing it because again, it's something that's just going to shoot up the walls of your house. Yeah, it looks pretty right now. It doesn't look pretty on fire, right? So just something to think of. Um, and I know Ian has talked about this quite a bit, um, fire breaks. Right. We've, uh, we've done a couple other episodes on fire and uh, Ian has kind of described in the episodes how he does his fire break and how he clears out an area that he um, uh, knows that the fire would possibly be encroaching because he's got rocks on one side and a, and a fall and all that kind of stuff. But he clears out the area where the fire could potentially be coming. Uh, so come up with a way to do some kind of a fire break. And this is, of course, going to depend on the type of property you have and how much space you have and um 
you know, if you're in the middle of a subdivision, there's probably some sort of bylaw that says you can't dig up a whole like, trench around your entire property and put a moat in. But, uh, you know, just know your area and figure something out that's going to, again, try to buy you some time, right? Uh, and we should definitely highlight how time is of the essence in a fire. Um, those of you who haven't seen a fire in real life mm -hmm. uh, may not know what spontaneous looking combustion is like, yep. but when, when there is enough heat around and there are flammable assets in the area, that heat buildup can be so intense and so quick that you don't have time to watch it burn. It just instantly detonates on fire and it's it's an instant large detonation a lot of gas yeah. is given off a lot of explosions occur trees can literally split and burst from the heat because of the trapped yep. air inside so yes time is so much of the essence um, and you must be able to recognize that and not hang on um, uh, yeah. definitely definitely something to emphasize uh, even in cities even in cities and residential yeah, neighborhoods, proximity of houses, you know, most houses are made of wood, right, these days? Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. a definite concern. Yeah, I did yeah. Uh, I did a little bit of digging around as well, and uh, the numbers kind of shocked me um, when I first read it, and then I thought about it and went, it sort of makes sense. So if the conditions are right, the, the wind is strong enough, um, you have the, the fuel, so we talked about all the dry stuff, the, the dry leaves, the dry pine needles, all of that. The moisture, uh, you know, is it, are you in a drought? Is it very dry? Uh, believe it or not, if the factors are there, it is not inconceivable that a forest fire can move at 14 miles an hour. Wow. So, so that's, yeah, that's exactly. significantly fast, Jeff. That is, yeah, yeah. That is significantly faster than you can run or yep. you can, um, you know, move, and that's why, you know, as as Eric said, you know, they 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 make you get out at so much ahead of time because, you know, how many times have you seen on the TV and that pictures of people driving down a road and they're literally engulfed, the fire's there before they can get out. And 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 if we and if we should be honest, also, let's talk about what happens when there is that much fire around you. What is the one thing we do not have when there is that much fire around you? Oxygen. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah. So you don't want to be anywhere near that kind of large-scale fire when it is present because you may not have oxygen left in your lungs for very long. And your lungs are very, very sensitive to the heat of the air going in there. Um, yep. Anybody in the first responders, you know, whether fire services or ambulance services, you all know how <clears throat> fragile those lungs are in the heat. So, yeah, if there's one thing we should emphasize here is Give yourself avenues to get out. In my case, I'm out in the middle of nowhere in the bush. I have started creating little trails so that I have more than one route out of the bush in case I, my one route out is, is blocked. So think of that also when you're out and about in the cities or near a fire zone. Know your routes. Are, are you suggesting that I should know multiple ways to get to different locations? Oh, gosh, no. That would be just <laughs> way too much intellectual work, wouldn't it's, it? It's almost <laughs> like you've listened to past episodes. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and that's if, fantastic. And if, and if we think of, of how important these things are, um, there's a reason when we have small operations teams out there in the middle of a non-friendly zone, that they spend a huge amount of time and effort mapping out safe places to get out of the heat, so to speak, if, if I can use this analogy here. Mm -hmm. um, so know your terrain, know your routes, and think a little bit ahead of time because so quickly does a fire go out of control. So I think we've harped on that one long enough, but yep. this, this is definitely a, a major factor. I wanted to highlight that. Cool. So and that's good. That, it. that comes down to a, to a key area and just preparedness as general. Like I said, a lot of this is going to overlap and having multiple routes to get out of or get back home is key. Because like you said, one, one route or two routes might be blocked. So knowing your other area 
and how to get to or out of or back home or wherever you're going different ways is just it's got to be part of your plan regardless if it's wildfire planning or any kind of emergency planning at all uh dave in the live chat's got a good point says uh step above the harden goes garden hose man oh man i can't talk tonight Uh, this is hook up the pressure washer hey you know what use what you got right smart i like it yeah but we've we've said it before if it gets to that point you probably should have been gone yeah if if the wildfire is knocking at your door like that absolutely but if you've got something that's just kind of flared up from an ember and the fire's way far away then yeah that's a great way to to put it out and at a distance too but yeah if the wildfire is knocking at your door don't fire up the pressure washer and try to put it out or the other a lot of other people trying to put it out too and they haven't been successful so (laughs) well said and and they got much bigger hoses and much more water (laughs) the other the other thing that that i i see people doing and we talked about the embers flying and and that is people taking a garden hose putting Mm -hmm. the the oscillating sprinkler on it and putting it on the eve of their roof and having it oscillate and it just flows water down both sides of their roof yeah, I like that. That's a good now. One. I did have a point in here where if you're going to be doing that, it cuts down on um, critical water pressure for other fire services. If you're if you're in a municipality and you're all on the same water, right? So keep that in mind. If everybody in the town turns their sprinklers on, water pressure is dropping. Now, fire services doesn't have the water to to fight fires, but that. You know what? That's an ethical thing that you got to cross on your own, right? So yep. if you've got a if, well, you're out, and and, yep. and, and I'll, I'll, I mean, it's not always the case, but the vast majority of wildfires are not near a significant population. Yep. Um, I mean, Fort Fort McMurray aside, you know, those right. those kind of towns, most wildfires don't impact major cities. Um, yep. But that's an excellent comment. Is you know, are you taking away the water pressure from the emergency services? Yeah. So just keep that in mind. And like I said, that's an ethical thing that you got to kind of figure out on your own in the situation. Um, I, I didn't even think about that until I was researching this a little bit. And I went, huh, that's a good point. Didn't even think about that. Well, we're on well and septic here, right? So I just never really thought about it. I'd throw the sprinkler on because I'm not affecting anybody but me. But um, well, that was a really good point if you're on municipal service. Uh, another uh, another point here. Um, let's see, know what your community's emergency response plan is. Now that we're talking about municipal water and pressure and such, know what your community's response plan is. They'll have a plan for wildfires, especially if you're in a susceptible area for them. Uh, stop by your local township or city hall or whatever, and just figure out what the plan is. What? How are they going to react to it? What are they going to do? Is it a staged response? Who goes when? What happens? So that you know, right? Because knowledge in this kind of thing is, is important, right? So if you start seeing things happening and that messaging hasn't gone out yet that, hey, you know, the fire is getting closer or there's a fire in the area or something, but you start seeing that staged response happening, you can kind of go, hmm, okay, something's obviously up. This isn't the normal fire truck just going to, a run-of-the-mill call, right, or, or a standard call that they do day in and day out, something more is happening here. Maybe they just haven't had time to put the messaging out to the public yet. Again, buys you time, right? Yep. Uh, if you are... Oh, sorry. Go um, ahead. This go is ahead. definitely a huge aspect of the mindset, and I mean, we talked about it in the last yep. episode. Staying abreast of what's going on around you, you know, not getting zoned in to what you're up to. Being yep. aware of your environment, yeah, these are all hints to what's yep. coming. <laughs> and exactly. if you can smell it in the air, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And depending on, on the situation, there just might not be time to get the messaging out to the public or the messaging is still filtering its way through the alerting systems and first responders are still going way before the messaging gets out, right? So again, it buys you that time of, okay, something's funny going on here. Maybe we start putting our plan into action. And you know what? It might turn out to be nothing, but it could turn out to be something, right? So if you start putting your plan in motion, start figuring out where everybody is, start gathering your things, buys your time. It might only buy you five minutes, but that might be the five minutes you need before the gridlock hits, right? That's right. 
Uh, yeah, and like I've got loaded down here to ensure you've got a, an action plan prepared ahead of time. The time the plan is not when the media is saying time to get out, right? So make sure you got that all in place already. And again, this is old hat for people that are listening. Um, you already have a plan in place. It might not be a wildfire plan. It might be for something else. You can slightly tweak it for wildfire, right? Um, I, I would say even if, if, if I can add in there, for those of you who are already fairly well prepared, um, fire preparedness is a very large, all-encompassing thing. It affects the entire community. So if your entire community isn't entirely ready, but you are, does it really matter if everybody else is going up in flames, right? You don't have much of a community left if everybody's up in flames around you. So once you've got your plans ready, look after your neighbors, look after yep. your friends and family so that they are also ready. And then you've got that peace of mind. Great um, point. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge big one, especially the, the more far away you are from those emergency services. Again, I'm in the bush. So yep. uh, I, I've gotten to know my neighbors to a certain degree. And there is a volunteer firefighter department in the area, but I have no signal. So mm. keep all of that in mind. Keep your communications in mind because, okay, you spot a fire. Great. You call the firefighters. You call 911 emergency services. Um, if there's a wildfire going on in the area, you might not have comms. Yep. Right? Those, those, yep. those stations could be burnt out. The heat could have affected them. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. So this is, it, it compounds, everything compounds during wildfires because your core infrastructure is unavailable. So these, these are all major factors to keep in mind. All right. I don't want to keep from these good points. These are good. <laughs> and, and that, that, bring, that brings up another really good point. If your main form of communication is going to be down, and again, this is wildfire applicable, but it applies to, again, all your emergency planning. If your main form of communication goes down uh, and you're relying on, say, using the phone and that um, dispatcher or emergency communicator just, you assume they're just going to know where you are because when you call that number, you call 911, it just knows where you are. Figure out okay. another way to communicate that, mm -hmm. right? Because if your phone doesn't work and you're using another mode of communication, um, know how to communicate where you are or you're out in the middle of the bush they, you know what they might not know how to get to you right Great know point. how to you, you you can't just say i'm out in you know the middle of this area and describe it how you've always known it since you've been going there doesn't mean the person on the other end of the phone understands what you're saying right so try to find a way to be able to communicate to somebody that's never been there how to get there right and uh, Dave beat me to it in the uh, in the live chat here. What three words? Again. Uh, yep. <laughs> so fantastic app. Uh, and you can do this preemptively, right? Just fire it up wherever you are, get those three words, and then have them written down somewhere. Uh, because what those do is they, uh, they've split the world into total kind, like a huge grid. Those three words are the words of the little square of where you're standing right now. And then emergency communicators or really anybody can take those three words and then convert them into a GPS coordinate and find out exactly where you are. Um, so that's another way of being able to communicate where you are without saying, Oh, you know, the, uh, the farm that the family's owned for 15 years, you go down the road, turn left. Um, and some of the local people might know that, right. But yeah. you want to be able to articulate it to someone that's never been there before. And, and it is incredibly accurate. Um, I mean, it, yes, it's three words, but it's also the squares, the grid squares that have names on them are three meters by three meters. Mm -hmm. So if you tell them those three words, they are going to know within three meters exactly where you are. Yep. Well, that is pretty impressive. Um, I did not know that was available out there. So maybe, maybe there is a redeeming value to these smartphones after all. <laughs> and like I said, you can preemptively do this and fire up the phone and write those three words down today when times are good and just stick it somewhere accessible on a sheet of paper. Um, hopefully that sheet of paper hasn't gone up in flames by the time you're looking at it, right? <laughs> Fire joke, terrible. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and then you've got it, right? Um, or oh. you can even commit those three words to memory. Um, if you've got a good memory, if you're like me, you'll forget it by the time you've read it. But 
well, this so, is good stuff. Just good something tip. else to have, right? Yeah. Uh, if you are going to take off, you know, keep all your doors and windows closed. Uh, remove flammable shades, curtains away from the windows, right? It's just, again, it's just buying you time. If the fire's coming close, your house is eventually going to burn, right? But at least that's buying some time. Uh, flammable furniture, you know, move it to the center of the room if you've got time. If you don't, just go. Don't get focused on, I got to move everything to the center of the room. Yeah, if you got it, just go. But that's something you can kind of build into your plan in a staged kind of scenario. Okay, you know, we're starting to see the warnings. Maybe we start moving things into a central location. Um, shut off air conditioning. It ain't going to help with the fire, right? <laughs> um, just something to think of. Um, shut off natural gas or propane to your house. If you don't know how to do it, find somebody that knows how, um, especially the natural gas. I think everybody for the most part knows how to turn off a propane tank. Natural gas, a little different just because of the location of it, but it, same idea. It's just a valve that you turn. This, this um, might be um, a, a really good opportunity to discuss the concept of the POL point. Um, yep. Those of you from the, the Canadian Armed Forces will know what a POL point, petroleum, oils, and lubricants. So ah. if you can, around your household, around your house, around your property, try to keep those kinds of items, petroleum, oils, lubricants. This includes spray cans, you know, the kinds that typically have um, contents under pressure, such as paint, um, you know, WD-40, that kind of stuff. That's highly flammable stuff. Um, you can eliminate a lot of potential problems by keeping those away well away from any source of ignition or power so if you have power generation anywhere near your house such as a generator geez keep that pol point at least a good 10 to 15 yards away you have to have that content that kind of stuff segregated away and i'm just keeping this in mind because when i was recce a long long time ago one of the elements we always planned for was a POL point, and it had to be a certain given distance from where people were sleeping. It had to be a certain given distance from trenches, and it had to be a certain given distance from the cooking areas, areas where we would expect to find ignition. Um, mm. So, yeah, that's a really good tip I can share. This is something I try to do up at my cabin as well, keep my petroleum and fuel all in one area and away. So it's not all spread around and you have multiple sources of fuel just scattered everywhere. Yeah, that's good. And it, and it prevents, you know, if that area does go up, it's a good distance away from your primary residence. So it's not hopefully going to impact you or it's going to give you again, some time to realize, Oh, this is bad and, and act on it. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. And I'm totally in violation of that because my uh, my generator is not 15 feet from the house. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is too close, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, I, I got lots of improvements to do based yeah. on my own recommendations. By the way, our recommendations are based on the ideal, right? Yeah, Sometimes of course. you have of a non-ideal situation. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Yeah. Uh, another point that uh, I came across while I was doing some research for this episode that I would never really have thought of Leave lights on if you are going to be evacuating. So if firefighters are operating in the area, they can see your house under smoky conditions. Huh. Like that makes sense. That's you know, I'd, I'd appreciate the, the firefighters coming by and spraying some water on my place. If there's a, you know, a fire and they, they can't do that unless they can see it. Um, they probably have higher priorities to deal with, but depending on what's happening, you know, make sure that it's uh, that your house is at least visible. So, uh, they know where it is because most likely if it's this big of an event, there's going to be fire departments from outside areas. Uh, they could be coming from all over the place. They may not necessarily know the lay of the land, right? Mm. So if they can see some lights and see a house and, and their, uh, their, uh, their orders are to, you know, put fires out in homes in the area. Well, then they know where yours is because they can see it. Right. So Great again, just tip. a point that I never even really thought about, but um, yeah, that was a good tip. That is a good one. Yeah. I, I wonder if we have any firefighters listening in who could drop us other ones of those kinds of good tips. Because, again, this is the kind of stuff that you wouldn't think about unless you've at some point had to fight a fire, right? Yeah, it's true. 
Yeah, too bad Alan's not on with us tonight, but mm. he'd have all kinds of stuff to talk about, like carbon monoxide. Ah, yes. <laughs> there it is. Gotcha. 34 minutes. <laughs> you do all have a carbon monoxide yeah. detector, right? <laughs> yeah. It's important. <laughs> yes, very important. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we've got Dave in the live chat again. He has another good good point that vinyl, vinyl siding melts pretty quickly. So that's, that's a good point. And it doesn't have to be, it just, it's just the heat from the fire, right? The fire doesn't have to be right up to it. Just the heat alone from the fire will melt it. So it's a really good point. If we can add to that, most any kind of plastic, unless it's been specifically blended with um, a chemical soup that makes it less uh, flammable, you should assume that if it's plastic, it is highly flammable. And it turns into an awful mess when it does ignite, and uh, it can be hard to um, to take out uh, at times. So, yeah, that's, good that's a really good point from Dave about siding. Uh, it's on fire tonight with the comments. It's great. Oh, yeah, look <laughs> at that. Uh, what else? Oh, he's got something else here. Uh, put reusable shopping bag in with your fire safe, uh, ready to scoop and run. Yeah. That's Definitely. a good point too. Yeah. Lately, I've been finding that I, I uh, with all the uncertainty going through cities and construction zones, I'm finding that I'm adopting a lot more of that mobile lifestyle like I was talking about in, in past episodes. And as a general rule, I think if, as um, Scott and Dave have, have kind of highlighted here, if you can pre-stage things so that... It's all there in the vehicle, ready to go. Um, you have less thinking to do under that emergency uh, adrenaline dump, and you can just worry about getting out, uh, and you have at least some of the essentials on hand. So these are all really, really good tips. Uh, and I should correct myself with Scott that uh, talked about the reusable shopping bag. For some reason, it showed Dave there for a second. But it was Scott. Just uh, you know, credit there. <laughs> Uh, you could also in your bag throw uh, some N95 masks, right? If you are in an area where there's heavy smoke, right? At least that's going to help filter some of it out. It's not going to get all of it, but and, it's going to help. And if I can add to that, since, since you brought it up, um, we may have brought up in the past that you should have some things in your go bag. One of those good things you can keep in your go bag is a do-rag or an old t-shirt. Uh, an old t-shirt, all you have to do is get it wet with a little bit of your water because you always have water with you, right? So if you have a little bit of water with you, you can soak up your t-shirt, wrap that around your face. A wet yep. t-shirt or a wet cloth will help cool down the smoke and the heat, the hot air as it's going into That's your lungs. Point. So these are all tips I heard when I was a young lad and I was told about how to get out of a house fire safely. Well, I would think a wildfire temperatures go even hotter than in a house fire, so... Yep. Um, yeah, these this would all apply. Will all would all apply? Yeah, it's a good point. Just to have something to help you cut through that if you are in the area, and like we've seen over the last couple of weeks, the uh, the smoke will travel quite a distance, right? So you might not even be that close to the fire, and you can still be affected by the smoke. So having something that helps kind of filter that out because um, breathing is important, <laughs> you know, you want to be able to filter the smoke out and, and be able to breathe easily and not have all that, uh, that junk in your, in your lungs from the air, right? It's, there's still going to be some that gets in and we could battle for hours about the efficiency of N95 masks and whatever, but we're not going to go there. <laughs> we're supposed to trust the science. <laughs> yes. Trust the science. Yes. That's right. Trust the science. <laughs> oh, you went down that rabbit hole. Didn't you? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> we didn't go well, down the rabbit I hole. I didn't go down it. I, I threw a stone down the yeah, rabbit hole. Yeah. We're still yeah. waiting to hear it hit the bottom. <laughs> a rock maybe, but yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Man, uh, the yeah. euphemisms are just awesome tonight. It's great. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So th yeah. there's some really good tips that we've heard so far. And, and if, if you're left want, wanting some more specifics, um, and I, I found last year when I, when I got my cabin up there, one of my first concerns was, okay, I'm, I'm in the middle of nowhere. How do I prepare mm -hmm. for a fire? Um, I found some really great resources online that I think we should share. 
Sure. And that's uh, BC, British Columbia. They have some experience with fires. Just um, a little bit. Yep. <laughs> just, a, just a couple, right? Uh, so they have an entire series of guides called the BC Fire Smart Series. And so there's the Fire Smart BC Homeowner's Manual, which goes through all kinds of things that you can do in zones. So they use the concept of circular zones around your home or property, and you can work with that approach. They even go so far as to explain how wildfires spread and some of the things we talked about here. Now, if, again, that little guide isn't quite enough in-depth and you happen to be really, really gung-ho about improving your property with regards to wildfire, you've got a landscaping guide that they provide you on that same page, an entire landscaping guide. So you can focus on those plant species that could be native to your area that will do well, uh, that sort of stuff. Um, and then finally, you have a wildfire preparedness guide specific to wildfires. And here, all of those things that we just mentioned are kind of highlighted. And you know, one of the things that I see here right on page four, having a grab and go bag. So even the government is telling you to have a go bag, friends. <laughs> I don't know. Do you Where do I go that? with that? Where do I go with that? <laughs> mm. It's, it's a beautiful we'll thing. Just, we'll just say it's good. It's good. Yeah. yeah I, I, I mean, good. you know, a little bit of give credit where credit's due at some point. I, yep. I mean, the government certainly has stepped up their game on emergency preparedness and, you know, getting the word out there that, you know, you need to be ready to go and you need to have stuff and you need. So, you know, mm -hmm. I, I think they're, they're, they're trying. Yeah. They're really late to the game, but some of them are trying. Definitely. I, I would most definitely encourage everyone to help themselves. Yep. Knowing the speed of government. Okay. It's a big boat. It's a big ship. It's, it's slower than 14 kilometers an hour. <laughs> exactly. Slower than 14 <laughs> an hour. So, you know, if, if you've got the means to move and yep. be, uh, be mobile, then definitely do it. If you can fight the fire, well, it's better to prevent the fire than to fight it, isn't it? Yeah. Um, especially when we're talking this kind of scale. So I'm, I'm very big on being mobile, being ready to go at any time. And um, do we all have fire extinguishers in our vehicles too? Absolutely. Yeah, this, that's a big yeah, one. We should. Um, and and uh, I'm mentioning this because I just saw Scott's comment down below here about um, large fire extinguishers making great housewarming gifts. Oh. Um it's not the first thing people think of buying for themselves when they get their first home, is it? Nope, it's not. But it is a good warming gift to prevent the house from getting warm in the future. Definitely. <laughs> if if, if, if y'all are thinking, oh, that shouldn't really apply to me, we should all remember how many gadgets you have plugged into power bars charging. Yep. All of those prevent a fire, uh, present a fire risk. So True. You should all have a fire extinguisher on hand if you have electricity. Period. Yep. At, le at least one per floor of the house. Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 more. mention that. Yep. Simple little things, because yep. it's really hard to run down the stairs and out the door if the stairs are on fire. Yep, sure is. Yeah. Yep, and you'll be wishing that you had that fire extinguisher that's down in the kitchen, up in your bedroom, if the fire is between you and the kitchen. That's right. right. If, if you've got a second story home, um, yep. may not be a bad idea to consider a ladder rope of some yep. kind. 100%. And there are some really good models ready yep. to go for you. If you're frugal like me, you can probably make a really good one with some good rope. Uh, yep. But don't be cheap on your rope. Dollar store rope should not apply. <laughs> Ain't going to cut it. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, unless you happen to be someone who weighs under a hundred pounds. And even then I'm not sure I would risk it with dollar rope. This is no. what we're talking about. Right? Yeah. You get what you pay for. Yeah, exactly. So there's a few key items that will help you in, in your fire safety. Um, yep. The smoke detectors, the CO detectors in the cities, these give you an edge getting out the door out in the bush. I would submit to you. They won't help you as much with a wildfire, but Hey, I'll take any early warning I can get. Um, yeah. yeah, if you see animals running in a strange direction, in a strange pattern, that's a clue. You might want to follow them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Or take notice the same as I mentioned, where you're seeing the patterns of emergency services doing something different, right? 
out in the forest, you're seeing some, a pattern of something different occurring. Why? Right. Yeah. That's the question you should be asking yourself. It might not necessarily be a fire. It could be a whole range of things, which is why I keep saying that this, this topic is going to cross across all other spectrums of emergency preparedness. But you start seeing, like you, like you mentioned, the animals running a different way, or even just you see them. That might be odd in your area too, right? Normally you're not going to see them. Why is that happening? Why am I seeing them? Why is something different in my community happening right now outside of the normal kind of response that I see? It's going to do nothing but buy you time, right? It's inevitably something's happening. You might not know what. Could it potentially be a wildfire? Absolutely. But it's going to buy you time. That's kind of the key that message I'm trying to weave through this episode is you're not going to prevent the fire. You're not going to stop it if it's a mass fire like we're kind of um, talking about here you're only going to buy yourself time to get out of the scenario. Uh, that's kind of the key, the key takeaway from this, uh, from this episode is because everybody thinks they're just going to turn the sprinklers on, hunker down on the house, you know, grab their go bag, you know, eat some of their snacks out of the go bag and just, you know, get the marshmallows ready. That's, that's not what's going to happen in this scenario, right? This is one of the big ones that you got to be ready to go and be prepared to know when to pull that pin and go, we got to get out of our, our house, you know, it's, yeah, it's your safe environment. It's a place you're comfortable in, but there's just that line where you got to know it's time to get out of here. And if anyone is doubting as to how quickly a fire can destroy an entire region, yep. it's happened before. Sure it has. Will probably happen again. And it's happened in some very, very close areas to, so-called civilization right here in Ontario. Uh, even where I'm at, there was a great fire in North Cobalt and it wiped out a lot of the towns in the area. And it took them a very, very long time to rebuild. So these are very, very big issues in Canada where we are quite spread apart when we are not in cities. Um, and so prevention is a big deal. You hear all kinds of no fire orders. Mm -hmm. Well, we should probably think about those things and also extend that to our, our everyday lives, such as uh, those of us who might use an ATV day in, day out, or uh, a gas-powered lawnmower. Um, have you ever seen any of these backfire? Oh, yeah. Yeah, when these machines get oiled, they backfire, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can start a wildfire uh, without even realizing it, mm -hmm. and it's right on your ass. So yep. it's really, really key to also watch all of your other behavior than just wow. fire safety, right? Yeah. And, and, and I, I put it in my notes. Uh, sadly, most wildfires are human caused. They're caused by either inexperienced or even sometimes experienced people having a fire where and when they really shouldn't. And like you say, pay attention. If it's you know, if you're walking on your grass and it's just breaking and cracking and it's dry as can be, should you really be having that bonfire out the back? Probably not. Yeah, but unfortunately, yep. you know, it's in one ear and out the other. And, you know, that's, that's, yep. that's the sad reality is most significant wildfires are, are human related. I mean, yeah, you could have other things like you say, like, uh, you know, caused by a vehicle backfiring or, or even a vehicle catching on fire and it's spreading to the, the woods or lightning strikes or things like that. But most of the time you hear, you hear them talk about fires and they say they're human caused. Yep. I would tend to agree. And if there's one thing we should mention, it's not often talked about. I'm a former smoker. So I remember mm -hmm. what it was like. You're driving down the road. You just finished the cigarette, just flick the butt right out the window. Right wrong yeah that's yep. the one thing we should not be doing uh if you're a smoker out there you know what just prevent the damn fires and put the cigarette out in the ashtray the way it should be done yep. um especially well, when know, we have these kind of dry seasons uh, things go up in no time flat go ahead jeff quick, you were saying got a quick little story sort of unrelated but giving you the concept um many years ago um, my buddy's pickup truck burned because um, this was back when, when you went shopping, your groceries and all that stuff were in paper bags and they had all kinds of paper bags full of groceries. And of course there were other things in the back, 
which elude, which caused the fire to be worse. But basically, the guy in the truck in front of them flicks his cigarette out the window. Ooh. He sees it fly by, doesn't even think about it. Next thing he knows, people are behind him honking and honking. He looks back, and the whole bed of his truck is on fire. Wow. Huh. Something small as that. Just yeah. that easy. Oh. Uh, Jared in the live chat's got a really good point. He just says, a small thought, but as an IT nerd, <laughs> fellow IT nerd, all right, uh, back up your electronics off-site or on a drive you keep in your uh, your emergency kit, right? Yeah. So losing pictures and memories in a fire sucks. 100%. That's a great point. And a lot of us keep our, you know, our family photos and your videos and all that kind of stuff electronically now. So yeah, having an off-site backup, 100%. If your house burns to the ground, it's stored off-site as well. Um, choosing where you're going to store that is a whole kettle of fish that we could go down. <laughs> That's but, another rabbit yeah, hole, isn't it? Another episode for you. Yeah, yeah but, I was going to say, do I have an episode point. for you? Oh, yes. That is a yeah. great we'll, point, though. We'll call it Data Recovery 101. <laughs> Don't lose it in the first place. <laughs> we'll call it Who Do You Trust on the Internet? The answer is nobody. Zero That's trust. Right. That's right. Yep. Have your backups. Oh, yep. yeah. Um, if for, for Jared's comment, if, if we can extend that, to everything else we we have in our day-to-day -day lives that could be lost to fire and everything we have talked about thus far in preps one is none two is one three is better blah 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 it kind of applies everywhere here yep um so having more than one place to store your stuff is not a bad way to go if you've got stuff to store um the all all of the bath the eggs being in one basket there's truth to that Yep, 100%. So if, if you have the ability to spread your, your preps, your items that you keep around for preps into multiple areas, it could be very beneficial. Um, so one of the things that I advocate is if you have people in your mutual assistance group, and if you don't, you might want to start working on having that mutual <laughs> assistance group yep. so that you've got people to work with. If something does happen, if you do find yourself unable to get to an area because of a fire say you just want to get to your to your house you want to get to your home but there's a forest fire on the way having that network of people will reduce the severity of that emergency on you because uh, hey at least i got a place to crash maybe to charge yep. my phone make some phone calls coordinate things like that um, maybe you can leave a backup of your data and your other essentials with some friends um, I have a little server here, so I've let people know in the past, hey, if you want to keep a data backup with me, that's fine. You can encrypt it, put it into an encrypted container of some kind, and I can keep it here for you. Um, there's all kinds of ways to work around this. Uh, and do remember that fire safes are mostly a suggested rating. <laughs> yep. Fire safes fail very quickly. Um, so don't rely on the fire safe. Have a backup method. An off-site backup was the standard we used in IT. It's not a backup until it is off-site. So yep. please there's keep a that backup, in mind. then there's an off-site backup. That's yep. right. The on-site backup is quick for immediate data recovery. Yep. For disasters, though, that's the off-site. Off it is. That's yep. exactly it, off-site. And so if you want to extend your preparedness to fire safety you may also want to consider ways to have alternate life locations well alternate places like where you that. can work from alternate plans for work period you alternate know, life locations i think that's a new term that's been coined i like it beautiful we'll keep <laughs> adding to those that's what i'm working on now alternate life locations because again i'm working on this mobile lifestyle thing so if you're mobile, if you've got a lot of redundancy in your data, in your, your important assets, then any one emergency doesn't affect you quite as much. So, yes, we can extend this, I think, across all of our knowledge domains in our preps. I like it. Brad, uh, Brad in the live chat here brings up a good point as well. It's kind of a preventative uh, thing. But always unplug and put away your extension cords. Dogs, foxes, raccoons, etc. will chew on them. Now you got exposed wires. Add that with a little bit of dry spell and kindling or 
leaves or whatever's kicking around your property that's just begging to ignite 100% you could uh, just start a fire unbeknownst to yourself just like that that is a really good point um any area left unattended for a long time that's got any kind of wires around uh and even if it's not left unattended for a long time recently pulled my air filter out of my Toyota Tacoma the thing had been eaten up by a mouse ah yeah so somehow a mouse got into my air duct and started so mice rats Mm -hmm. they will do things uh, squirrels especially they will do things that you don't expect um so that's a really good point Uh, it's going to make me think about inspecting my gear very quickly before I fire it up when I get there just to make sure uh, there's no loose connectors or anything like that. And we can extend that even, even from just extension cords to any kind of electrical cabling that runs through your property. Maybe you've got um, just a hookup to a, like a garage or a a workshop or something. Uh, Make sure that cabling is protected because uh, you know, you just mentioned a mouse could eat through it. Uh, an animal can get at it, you know, and all it takes is from the chew through it, carry on. Now you've got that little bit of open uh, cabling. And if it sparks even just a little bit, it may not start a wildfire. It might, but mm-hmm. it's going to start a localized fire. Am I the only one who gets really twitchy when somebody drives over an extension cord? <laughs> Probably not. just if you start applying this kind of level of thought to what you're doing every day you realize just how many fire hazards we we deal with daily if we're not thinking about what we're doing right yep 100 yeah great points yeah so i think we've covered off the basics Uh, again the the idea of this episode was to kind of just get everybody's mind thinking and kind of towards the whole wildfire thing because there's a lot of it happening right now in canada uh kind of put your mind to what you would do where you would go in a scenario and like i said it all kind of interchanges with all kinds of other emergency preparedness stuff so it's not something that's going to be difficult to kind of shift your plan slightly for this kind of event and it might not be something that everybody thinks about because you might be in an area where there's a low likelihood of it occurring um, and like we always say, plan for what you know is going to happen in your area. Don't focus on the thing that's most likely not going to happen. Uh, but if you're not sure, maybe do some research in your area. See what is possible if uh, a wildfire has maybe happened in the past in your area. Um, maybe it hasn't, but kind of get an idea of the geography and the, the, the probability of it occurring. And if it's something that you think could uh, impact you, kind of get it in the back of your mind and kind of get planning for it because might not happen anytime soon might happen tomorrow right? that's the fun of preparedness right <laughs> yep uh before we move on to the podcast challenge uh you guys have anything else you want to add or something we haven't covered off not that i can think of off the top of my head no i, I got a real quick one if Go you are in a doubt as to what you can do to improve your fire safety i am certain your local fire department will be quite happy to come and give you a hand in evaluating your safety posture for fire in your area wherever it is you happen to be they will gladly give you recommendations as to where those carbon monoxide detectors should go (laughs) and they will gladly forward to you all these tips especially about the number one causes of fire that they see like really bad electrical wiring uh extension cord hell right? These are things that are well-known risks to fire. They will gladly, I'm sure, give you all kinds of info about that. And the good part about that is that's localized information, right? So that's things that they specifically see in your area. And it could be completely different advice, although some of it will obviously be similar because it spans across areas, but you could get totally different information from fire department A than from fire department B because the two locales could be completely different as far as certain things that happen. So some really good local intel if, uh, if you go and chat with them. And chat, chat with the fire department, the municipality over too, because they might give you some different info. Yeah, Can't hurt. Good point. Good point. Good ones all around. Yeah. So with that, let's move into the podcast challenge.
So your podcast challenge for this episode is review your fire evacuation plan. Practice with everybody in your home. That's the key. Don't just have a plan. Actually practice doing it. All right. So upcoming events. We've been uh, hammering this one home for quite a while now, but it's getting close. The annual preppers meet is coming up July the 6th to the 9th in Desborough, Ontario. So check out uh, annualpreppersmeet.com to grab your tickets. Uh, like I keep saying, fantastic event. Tons and tons of people there sharing all kinds of knowledge. Um, nothing better than a couple of days out with like-minded people who are willing to teach you what they know and want to hear what you know as well. Right? There's a really good exchange of information that happens there. So, uh, so check it out and uh, get out to it if you can. And TACCOM 2023 is coming back uh, September 8th to the 10th, 2023, the International Center in Mississauga. Uh, there's a website there, tatcomcanada.com. You can look it up there. It'll give you the prices and list all the vendors and everything uh, that are, that's going on there. Awesome. I definitely yeah. hope to make it for this one. Yeah, hopefully this one goes. That'd be uh, good. Yeah. That'd be great. All right, so you got a weather blurb, Jeff. Uh, yeah, very short and sweet, exactly on what we've been talking about. Um, we're seeing unseasonably hot and dry air over significant portions of Canada. Uh, caused wide is causing widespread wildfires in a good portion of BC, Alberta, Quebec, Nova Scotia, and now Ontario as well. So, um, yeah. I mean, we've we've kind of beat it tonight. Just as as I always say with weather stuff. Just keep your eye out. Just keep your eye out. Um, don't be scared. Be prepared. Well awesome. All right. So a deal of the week. Uh, yeah, Princess Auto again. Uh, we got a fire extinguisher butane torch. So just I figured it'd be a fun play for tonight. Uh, it's a fire extinguisher uh, mock-up that is actually a butane torch. So don't wow. use it to put out fires. It's actually going to start fires, and it's about <laughs> six bucks and change. So but I figured that'd be a, that'd be a fun one to throw out there tonight. And I put it in the live chat as well for people that want to see it. Love it. All right. So with that, I'll bring episode number 206 of the Canadian Prepper podcast to an end. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or of course your favorite podcast app. Please help us out to submit a review. It does help other people find us. We record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. If you want an early peek at the shows, please subscribe to the YouTube channel Canadian Prepper Podcast and click the notifications tab. That will give you alerts when we're going live. You can contact me on Facebook, on YouTube, as well as on the Discord app. And how can we contact you, Gunny, if we need to? You just told us. Yep. Oh. Okay, I'm, I'm out to lunch. <laughs> Um, if you want to reach me, you can reach me at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca or I am uh, back on the Discord. I was uh, off it for a little bit um, due to where I was staying and the internet issues that were there, but I'm back on Discord now. Awesome. All right, uh, please check out Rapid Survival at rapidsurvival.com. You can get me there on the live chat. You can also email me at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. And uh, I also float around the Discord every now and again. So uh, thanks for joining us this evening. Until next time, be prepared, stay safe. And keep learning and listening. <laughs>